Bike Mullard. Welcome back to Death by Video. This is our third time trying to do this. I am Graham. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. I'm Vanessa. Hey! It's our special guest, Hi. Vanessa. Sorry, I was going to introduce her at the end, but she jumped on the mic. Uh, and we are also joined by Soviet Union's favorite es- export. Lillian. I did not say that. I did not say that, Phil. Hi. I said export. <laughs> export, you jerk. <laughs> oh, no. I think I... Uh, <laughs> Export. Uh, I'm opening up a beer. So, um, we are... Yes, please get a beer, Vanessa. Uh, while you're out getting one, we are very, very, very thrilled to be here today with uh, our very special guest, uh, Vanessa Young, is back on the podcast. All right, Vanessa! Take, take whatever you want. Uh, mine? I only have... Uh, 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 Blood, Blood Brothers, Brothers. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> this is gonna be so difficult to edit. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine, but there will be smiles, there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video with Phil and Lil and Kit and Vanessa and Graham. Chris or Bert Libelous, it's just. Welcome back to Death by Video. <laughs> this is Graham. This is Phil. This is Kit. And uh, our very special... Actually, sorry. Before we get to you, um, yeah. uh, the Soviet Union's finest export guys. Keep your mind inside the gutter. Lillian. And we are also joined today by a very extra special guest returning to the podcast after 12 episodes away. She's an award-winning documentarian, a true queen of cinema... The one, the only. Or I'm going to inter- interrupt you. <laughs> and and say, you are? Hi. Yeah, hold uh, your own microphone, please. Oh, hi, hi. Hi, I'm Vanessa. Vanessa Young is back with us again. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Um, Missed you guys. Oh, thank you so much for coming back. Um, we didn't realize that you wanted to come back, so this is good to have you here. Uh, we thought we had scared you off. Um, but And that leads us into the movie we're actually watching today. I'm just going to re- mention it right off the top. It is a documentary, a first for us. It's from the very early 1980s, 1982, I believe. It was not available in North America up until uh, this... Hmm? 81, sorry, uh, Lillian is correcting me. Uh, it was made in 1981, and it was not available in North America until actually Election Day 2016 when Donald Trump uh, was voted into... Oh, no, no, sorry, it was Inauguration Day 2017 when Donald Trump was um, inaugurated into the office of President of the United States. It is called The Killing of America. I'm afraid of America. So, it basically, just to give you a quick background, covers the years 1962 to 1980 uh, from uh, JFK's assassination right up until uh, John Lennon was killed. So, before we get into that super, super duper serious documentary, 
Does anyone have anything they want to talk about first? Has anyone seen anything interesting or any funny stories? Not about Mike Bullard. I saw the killing of a sacred deer. That was really good. Ooh, I heard that was good. I heard it was interesting. Yeah. I think from your Facebook post, you said that a lot of people left the theater or were alienated. Didn't they know what were was going not. On. Didn't, I don't think anybody left, but there were some very vocal responses from uh, the audience, an unsuspecting audience. And it was funny, like overhearing people. So, like somebody, uh, a Nicole Kidman fan, who was outraged that they were doing seeing a Nicole Kidman movie that was not good. <laughs> <laughs> But did you like it? I liked it. Um, and like, you know, you know, most unselling moments, like, there was, like, this... There were just people, like, swearing on it. It's, like, swearing in shock. And, uh... Mm. I mean, it's not... It's not extreme by our standards. By it's, our it's standards. disturbing, but it's... It's extreme not, by the normie standards, I'm guessing. By the normie standards, Not yes. us wonderful weirdos out here in the abandoned yeah. video store off of Highway 9. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. It was funny. They were um, they showed the trailer for um, the new Ridley Scott movie, All the Money in the World, with Kevin Spacey. With Kevin Spacey as J. Paul Getty, and there was like a uh, collective, there was a collective uh, boo in the audience. Good, so. good, good, good. What What do you think? Um, you've heard this news, obviously, that um, Ridley Scott plans to release this film December twenty second mm-hmm. uh, with Christopher Plummer. He's reshooting all the scenes with Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer. Yeah. What? You didn't hear about that, Vanessa? You think that's Sorry. possible? Vanessa, if you speak, you need to grab for, the microphone. Uh, December 22nd release. What he says. Point. No, no, that's 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 real news. That's, yeah. no, that's <laughs> not legit. fake news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that that was heard. And uh, the interesting thing is, they interviewed Christopher Plummer. I'm like, I was like, f yeah, Christopher Plummer. Like he's taking over the role. And he's like, you know what? I'm just sad for everyone. I'm very sad for Kevin Spacey. And I was like, no, you should be stomping on him, saying that like, hey man, I've been in acting for a hundred years. And I'm, you know, I haven't d- done any of this crap. Here's here's the interesting side note to this. Um, Christopher Plummer was actually uh, Ridley Scott's first choice for this role, but the studio was like, "We need a bigger name. We need somebody who's a bit who's we got a bit a more." Kevin yeah, Spacey. We need, we need somebody with Kevin Spacey's star power. With Kevin Spacey's um, grabby hands. Yeah. And and meanwhile, Kevin Spacey is supposed to be playing somebody who's much older than he even is now. So Christopher Plummer makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. because he's the right age. The actual age of the person. Yeah. So everything turned out correctly, I would say. Christopher Although Plummer is I like have, he's. he's He's, he's a solid 723 years old, I At think. At least. He's Canada's mm. very own. Yep. I know. He actually was there when Sir Johnny McDonald was uh, inaugurated as Prime Minister, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was there yeah. for the War of 1812. Mm-hmm. And the War of 1914 and World mm-hmm. War II. As seen in the film, Mary... No, not Mary Poppins. Sound of Music. Well, he's a trooper, and I think he'll pull it off in time. What? December 22nd? Yep. He'll do it. It's only 10 days of shooting. That, that, that was how much they shot with yeah, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, because it's basically like a, an extended cameo role now. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, guys, uh, what else have we seen this week? Actually, uh, four of the five of us, we uh, we did something called, that we were technically calling Death by Theater, uh, where we saw the, the play Broken Glass starring Ermina Perez, the sister of Lillian Perez. Um, so, Vanessa, take us through Broken Glass. Oh, the look on Vanessa's real? face is great. <laughs> um, you don't need to take us through. Just, just tell us your thoughts on it. Did you oh, like no. it? Oh no, I feel like I'm in, in, I'm in school, and I have to go up in front of the class and like recite something, and it's super no, 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 no embarrassing. No, 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 it's like Broken that. glass for anyone who's not familiar uh, with that play. It was written by Arthur Miller. Yep, Arthur Miller. <laughs> Set in 1938. Um, one of his last plays. Yep, it was written in '94, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about a Jewish couple who lives in Brooklyn during uh, World War II, 
Um, it was actually pre-World War II. Pre-World War II, sorry. This is, yeah, this is right before the war. Right? 1938? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's set over, so what I'm not, I actually not wasn't clear about is it's, I know that it starts at, on the same night as what, Crystal Nut? No, the, no, the no. yeah, well, the Night of Broken Glass. Broken, the Night of Broken yep. Glass. Yeah, which was when so, the, the, which yeah. was in, I think, Austria? When, in um, Austria, yeah. When they mm-hmm. smashed the shops and home windows Was it of, Austria or Germany? I can't recall. Ooh, I think it was. Yeah. And yeah. I believe it was Germany. Yeah. 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 And then so that was like the beginning of um, kind of uh, <laughs> what am I looking for? Like I, like the, the first kind of uh, physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first kind of notice that like that like uh, the, the Nazis were targeting uh, Jewish, Jewish um, businesses and, mm-hmm. and Jewish people yeah. and yeah, vandalizing property and storefronts. Um, anyways, back to the 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 the, the mm-hmm. play. Um, so yeah, it follows a couple, and um, they're uh, they're in sort of this. They've been married for a number of years, and mm-hmm. um, their their son is fighting in the war. Well, their son is in the army. It, has, it oh, hasn't I'm started. Sorry. The, it actually hasn't <laughs> I don't know anything yet. about this play. Well, <laughs> yeah. the thing is that that the, the night of broken glass is actually like the kicking off point for the play. So that actually triggers a partial paralysis in the wife Sylvia uh, portrayed by Armin Perez yeah hysteria and like she's kind of registering this as being something bigger than just oh there's something going on in Europe and she internalizes it and um, her husband a doctor and her sister and the doctor's wife try to um, try to decipher what's causing this they think it might be um, be mental and which it could possibly be Um, it's it's kind of left open to interpretation in the play um, but it was very powerful. It was very moving, and it was interesting because we saw it. Like none of us here are are uh, Jewish, although Phil, you're you're half. But uh, on the dad's side, yeah, on the dad's side. But you, but you're not practicing and or anything no, like that. Yeah, never, no. never had experience with it. So um, I actually sat by myself, surrounded by people that uh, were of the Jewish faith, and we're all kind of middle aged. So I could see that I uh, I just picked up a lot of vibes from them that this struck home, and they felt a lot of their family. I, I could see that they were seeing a lot of their parents and what was going on on stage. That's fine. We we incorporate all sound effects on this podcast, Vanessa. Yeah. You could have held the microphone right up to it and gone. <laughs> Vanessa just cracked open a beer because she's a badass. On a podcast, <laughs> cracking muzzle, open a. <laughs> <laughs> just shotgunning that beer. And um, I do have to say, I love that when I told Vanessa, like, "Yo, you're going to be on this pot this episode, and we're watching the Killing of America." You sang. You sing "Killing of America." You sang "Living in America," but what changed you? Like "Killing of America" by good old James Brown. James Brown, mm-hmm. that's right. Look at her face. That's right. I'm. I'm. That was. That was dark. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good. But that's that's in with the. We you know we kind of have a bit of a gallows humor. Not as gallows as last podcast on the left. Shout out to those boys, by the way. Uh, keeping it real. Oh, and you know what came into my mind? What's that? My mind. My I had to. Um, uh, I'm, I'm afraid of America. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, that David song Bowie's came awesome into my head. world. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen? Help it. <laughs> have you seen anything else? In, have you seen anything else in the last week, Vanessa? <laughs> oh yeah, don't you know? Oh yeah, it's saw Fargo. You watch Fargo again? Uh, the TV the show, show or the, the series? The show, the show. Which season one or season two? Uh, season, I'm so behind. Season one, I actually started oh man, watching. Season two is so good. Is it better? It, I actually say it is. I say, I actually I've... kind of think season two is better than the movie. Ooh. One of the cones is going to show up at my house tomorrow, and they're going to be very angry. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to very softly tell me that I'm a moron. <laughs> so you know you're a moron, right? Yeah, you are. I'm going to write a script about you right now. But I'll be the moron. <laughs> 
be in Burn after reading two. <laughs> Burn Aaron harder. Graham Shepard. I actually haven't finished season one. I'm uh, an episode away, so don't don't spoil anything. Oh, and I can't remember it anyways. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I'm enjoying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. I can't believe I stopped watching it. I don't know what happened, but I have mild form of ADD, so that's probably part of the reason. I no, you didn't don't. get past like two episodes, but no, I'm I'm really happy I've mm-hmm. Kept soldiered with on with that <laughs> with that first season. Yeah, good because it's good. It's, it's actually great. like I'm kind of shocked. I haven't seen the third season yet with the two Ewan McGregor's, but like it's. It's it's rare that a TV show. I like the fact that it's following the anthology format, and that the second season actually was better than the first, which rarely happens. Because like, um, has anyone else seen Fargo the the show? Uh, I got about halfway through season two, but then I trailed off. Wow. Sorry, no, the ghosts are pushing open the door again. It wasn't really dislike so much as I just wasn't in the right state of mind. And this is a really petty complaint, but. Uh, Kirsten Dunst has a really inconsistent faux <sighs> Minnesota accent. Everyone in every oh, combat. Is kudos to Martin Freeman? Was mm-hmm. it Martin Freeman? Yeah. He, like, fantastic. The American he, accent, yeah. I can, his, his real right. accent slips out once in a while, but uh, he did a He's spot great on. Yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Lester yeah. Nygaard. Yeah, he did a Nygaard. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Kit? Oh, no, I love Martin Freeman. Love, uh, mm-hmm. love a lot of things. I have well-documented... Um, Differences, opinions. Oh, I know. We've had many. We've one. had many fights about it. Um, but I won't get into them now because I don't want to ruin anything for Vanny over here. So, yeah, she's one episode away. She was just saying. Um, so, folks, time. Uh, have you seen anything else from us in the last week? Mm. Not last week. Well, it's been like twelve weeks since you were on the podcast. Ah. So, so what have you watched in the last four or five oh, months? Wow. I love how <laughs> I'm kidding, being kidding, put kidding. on the spot. We we all get put on the spot. Don't worry. Well, what's cool is we all caught up on Mindhunter. Yeah, I think we're all done, right? We've all yeah, completed. we're all done. Yeah. Which again ties into our true, this is the uh, end of our true crime series. So I think this is going to air in like early December, possibly, but with our, and again, I apologize with our release schedule. That's all my doing that. It's not worked out. Um, I'm the idiot who was like, oh, some of these serial killers they've invented, a little too outrageous. This said Kemper <laughs> fella, come on, a seven foot tall guy who dismembers women. He's called the co-ed killer. This isn't believable. The writers need to step up their game a little and of course, it's all like real. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about real life is truly stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm looking forward to, as we were talking uh, ahead of time, um, the FBI agent who Holden Ford is based on gets really involved with the Green, the Green River, River Killer, killer yeah. in Seattle. So that should be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Almost loses his life. Yep. That horrible human being. Did we finish summarizing Broken Glass? I don't think we should summarize it. We should just say go see it if you have the chance. Because yeah. the thing about the thing about watching a play is that the 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 night of broken glass is really just the jumping off point. It's really it deals with a lot of um, uh, things in the Jewish community that I can't really relate to. Mm-hmm. But it's always good to be thrown thrust into a different culture, even in the in the context of like a play. Um, it was put on by the uh, the Tetron Jewish Theater. Tetron Tetron Tetron, um, which has been going since two thousand and two. Um, and it was a really, I enjoyed it. I was moved by it. I yeah. turned up a little during uh, our friend Armina when she has kind of like the, her big centerpiece moment when she like says like, "What's going to happen in in Europe with all the Jewish people? Is it going to happen over here? Are we going to have be affected by it?" Um, so, I saw it twice, and not that it really like did anything on my understanding of it, but I think I got this impression or this feeling. Maybe I'm wrong. But the whole crystal knock thing and this impending doom that Sylvia, the main, the, the, the wife, 
is worried about and concerned and she seems to be the only one who's really taken by it and and worried what will become of us right if this is happening over there i think that whole thing is kind of even though it's in the foreground i think it's in the background of the story and in the foreground it's really their marital problems mm -hmm. and for her to lash out and express herself it is is the only way she can really do it is by showing um, outrage about what's going on in Germany because mm -hmm. she can't really talk about what's going on in her house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. was, it was very good. It was very moving. Uh, a sound effect. I was concerned that our friend was going to wheel herself off the stage in that wheelchair a couple of times. Oh, oh my god, I was so freaked out because like the wheel was so on the edge of that stage. So I told, I, I spoke with Armina after the play, the day after, and I kind of like you know gushed about it um to her personally and she said like yeah there are no brakes on that wheelchair which made me be like oh my god that's even worse oh no so kit you weren't there it was a wheelchair on an elevated stage and like there's like a little tiny like half inch like bit of plywood that's like preventing her from rolling off what what venue was this at uh, this was at the um north uh, york center for the arts or the Toronto Center for the Arts, as it's known now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. One of their, it was right the, next to Mel Laskin Square. Yeah. It was in the stage studio play, or studio, or theater, or whatever it's called, where we entered through a portal to uh, go see it. It was a very nice little theater. I liked the theater quite a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not many reasons to go to North York, but this that would be, is one of them. This would be yeah. one of them. Mm -hmm. I was going to be like three feet away from the stage. Yeah. If that. I was a little bit back. But it was good. It was good. Um, Vanessa, have you seen anything else? Great job, Ermina. Yes, Ermina. We love you on this podcast. We're going to have you on Her for... Her performance really... Uh, I think she did such a phenomenal job, and I'm so proud of her, and she's just flourishing as an actress, and I'm just... Yeah, can't say enough great things. About, I'm sucking up right now, mm -hmm. but she's she's yeah. yeah she's and and for those of you who don't know her, know her, you're going to come to love her because she's going to be on our uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills episode in early 20, uh, 2019, 2018. 2019. I'm that far in advance. Yeah, that's how far. Stay tuned. That's, how, that's how far the ghost well, like, told me. That was a Freudian slip there. <laughs> no, 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 no. 20, 2018. Um, He's full of them tonight, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I did not say that about you, Lil. Jeez. I'm editing that out. S no. <laughs> um, Mike Bullard. <laughs> oh, oh. Out of context. There's no setup for that anymore. Point it, point it out. There's no setup. No, I'm just saying there's no Thank setup you. for that. Like, you have to cut that out completely because that just won't make any sense, right? Our listeners will like it. Okay. Yeah, they'll laugh now. So, Kit, what have you seen in the last week, jerk? <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I started uh, rewatching Star Trek Discovery again. Yeah. Um, rewatching. Watching for the first mm -hmm. time. Uh, but I've yeah. kind of let it lapse. But um, this iteration, they're dropping f bombs. I know. It's really weird me. for Star Trek. Like Anthony Anthony Rapp's character mm -hmm. um, drops, and it's kind of a lighthearted scene. Like ironically enough, it's a kind of a very dark kind of a show, which is also strange for Star Trek. I know, yeah, because Star but, Trek is um, all about the light at the end of the tunnel. But in this one, mm -hmm. um, just one of the cadets is like, "That's fucking cool," and uh, Anthony Rapp, who's her uh, commanding officer, mm -hmm. is like, "No, oh, you're right, cadet. That is fucking cool." And it's kind of a lighthearted moment in an otherwise dark show. I don't know how I feel about the show yet. I kind of like it, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm only on episode five. Is, yeah. that the, sorry. Is that the first time you've ever heard, like, swear words on, on Star, Star Trek? Trek? Yeah. Star Trek does not swear. So never. Yeah, that's. I yeah. was surprised mm -hmm. to hear that. 
Yeah, in, in, in the movies, I think uh, Data says shit. Yeah, a few Data times says shit. Yeah, which just was awesome. to show that he can. That, that was awesome. In that, in the, <laughs> so that was Star Trek Generations, and as the, as the Enterprise is crashing, Data, who is just the android that's just given emotions for the first time ever, is just like, "Ooh, shit!" Um, it was a great moment in the that good, movie. The good old Brent Spiner. Yeah, that was uh, that was the only <laughs> good moment in that movie, other than Kirk being like, "Don't ever leave that ship." Whatever they do, don't ever do anything that gets you off that ship. Such a good moment. I mean, I always think of that part in uh, Star Trek Ford of Voyage Home where, like, uh, Spock gets flipped off and then, because uh, Kirk and Spock get flipped off by the guy like they want the punk rock dude to turn down his music and they get flipped off and then Spock neck pinches him. So, mm-hmm. so I always felt that Star Trek was hostile to uh, profanity and profane gestures. And punks, well, too. Well, it's, it's, uh, Star Trek is supposed to be in, although I think Discovery is like t- kind of that post-Kirk, pre-Enterprise world. Pre- no, it's, it's pre- um, Pre-Kirk? Uh, Post-Archer? Just pre-Kirk, like 10 years before Kirk, I think. And actually, anybody who's familiar with the original series, which I'm not as familiar with, but you might remember the uh, character, I think, Hermit Mutt. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's portrayed by Rain, oh, yeah. Rain Wilson. That. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. I would say if you actually want a more traditional Star Trek, Watch the Orville, which I'm kind of like blown away by how good it is. I've, mm. I know you're not a fan, Kit. We've had this conversation three times in the last two weeks. What else have you seen in the last week, Kit? Well, you and I actually went to go yeah, see a film we had last a little, night. That's we had a right, little, little death by cinema outing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh? What did you guys go see? Uh, we went to go see this um, a Swedish film or yes. a Scandinavian film, if you mm. want to be broader. The winner of the Palm Door. Yes, this year. yes, very highfalutin. We, the uh, Square. The Square. I want to see that. I do want to see that. Sorry, yeah, I what did you guys actually, think? Yeah. What did you think? I, I, I liked it. I liked it. It's I, I, liked I it found too. it a little overlong. It's uh, yeah. two and a half hours long, and I thought, you know, they could cut out 40 minutes the, the and make one, this tighter. Yeah. The one thing about it is, like, with uh, with a lot of European films, you realize there's no three-act structure. They're just, like, meandering about being like, you know what? I'm going to spend some time, like, uh, looking into this right now. I'm going to spend some time here. It was good on the well, whole. Well, there are, there, there are mm-hmm. recurring themes, and I, I think they address, in some scenes they address the themes really well, like... Um, the idea that um, the confrontation, like how people um, idealize confrontation, that sounds like a good thing, but when it but actually happens... But also avoid it at all costs, yeah. Well, I actually, and when it actually happens, it's not what you want at all. It's it's rather upsetting and... Not to spoil anything, but like that scene where... It's first the centerpiece defending, scene, yeah. And the, which, which one? The start or the one at the end? moves around like a gorilla in the dining room no no, no. I've seen that scene is that the yeah scene? yeah yeah that oh, that, that scene and that yeah. guy's played by uh as we i discovered today he's actually by a motion capture st- artist stuntman terry notero who was uh kong in kong uh, skull island and he was in all the planet of the recent planet of the apes movies and um also in all the like the hobbit films as well he's he's in a lot of movies yeah and he does a good job here he's actually it, that scene gets really frightening it does yeah um, but in a very engaging way mm-hmm. actually two two patrons uh, walked out during that scene before it got really interesting even so yep I, I meant more the scene where at the first where there's the girl saying like he's gonna kill me so he like kind of like it's the confrontation there, but it's a false confrontation. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's also and they, the scene, they, all, they, mm-hmm. they feel really good about themselves for a second, like oh we're men of action. We're uh, yeah, we look, did look it. how we foiled that uh, abuser. Yeah. And meanwhile, they've just been robbed. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert, but well, um, it happens right at the start of the movie. Yeah. So. Um, and then at the end, when he confronts the little boy, and it's just sort of like he's been avoiding that confrontation the entire movie, and then when it finally happens, it is awful. Yes, yeah. he, it's just too much. Yeah, but well, I don't want to spoil any. You I guys want to see the film? Yeah. yeah, highly recommend this. Came out now. It's the se- it's the second week. It's been at the light box. It played at TIFF this year. It played at Com where it won the Palm Door. It played at Fantastic Fest down in Austin, Texas. It's currently screening at the light box. I would highly recommend going to see it. 
I want to go see it, but I also noticed that um, Three Billboards Outside of Ing, Missouri came out today. Ooh, and I really want to see that. That's a good one. Me and actually myself and Arena Perez, as that. we were mentioned earlier, uh, saw that at TIFF this year. And it yeah, was. It won the Audience Award. It was freaking dynamite. And it's so good. Oh, Frances McDormand, love her so much. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. She's just she's one great. of the best. Lady Bird, it's uh, for second oh. week, and we saw that at TIFF. Phil and uh, I saw that together. I know. Boo-boo. Courtesy I, I, of Graham. Courtesy of Graham, because you got you, the Graham. tickets. You were the mm-hmm. one who had the sweet deal. <sighs> Whatever. Everybody loves it, which is great. Lady Bird. Lady Bird. She's a Bird. Yeah, Lady Bird is honestly all of you. Every single person here, especially you, Lil. Lori Metcalf. Oh, my God. Say no more. So great. So great. Like under one of the one of the most underrated actresses, I think. But Lil and I had the um had the luck of or whatever. Pleasure. The pleasure of seeing her. And I don't remember the play. I'm I'm embarrassed. I don't remember what it's called either. But it was with Bill Pullman and it was very moving. I got teary. Off Broadway? Off Broadway, because it was Yeah, it was off Broadway. Yeah. 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 And it was with Bill Pullman. We saw her a few years ago and she was just dynamite. Like she was she she brought it. She's she's actually an incredible uh, dramatic actress and I think she's revered in like the 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 theater community like i think she people indeed. really respect her um but to see her in a such a complicated role like it's an she's a mother but the relationship between her and um Shershe, Shershe? Shershe Ronan. Shershe Ronan is uh it's so like nuanced and and beautiful to watch on on screen is and i think a, it's a period piece too right from the uh, early aughts. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. There are uh, there's some references, So there's no iPods. Right? Oh, yeah, there's yeah. quite a few there's no, there's, uh, 2002 references. There's flip phones, yeah. no iPods. I'm guessing ICQ is a thing. Oh, and, um, and, oh, and, and Dave Matthews Band. Crash into me, yeah. Oh, my God. That one? Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, terrible song. That was when they were terrible peeing on people, song. right? <laughs> or as people in my high school refer to them as Dave Nice. People in your high school were terrible. Yeah, they were. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's a really good film. I think uh, I think all of you will enjoy this movie. And, Very cool. and actually, I feel like um, oh, like sorry. my my hubby hubby a hubby's daughter um, would enjoy this film. Like I think this is for all ages. Like I, I would I, say so. Yeah, I think teenagers would just love this film and and can relate. I think yeah, it's, it's got some salty language. Um, you know, hey, you know, Phil, you need, to, you need to speak into the microphone. <laughs> Episode twenty three. Oh, Speak into the microphone. I, th- I thought I was speaking into the microphone. It's a directional microphone, and it only yes. works if you point it at you. <laughs> so, Kit, what else have you seen in the last week? Sorry to cut you off, Phil. Uh, oh, I've got nothing of note, unfortunately. Okay. That was the biggest thing. You've got your notebook out, so know, but, but, get ready for but, a half but, an hour but, of film rundowns, <laughs> folks. But... but <laughs> But Lillian, what have you seen in the last week? Uh-oh, that means Graham's got a long list. He wants to get me out of the way. Um, I don't, actually. I saw I'm Dog laughing, Eat like, Dog, and I watched Chopper. Two solid hits. That's uh, the yeah, Paul Schrader film. They were, they were both really good. I, I'm glad I watched them. I enjoyed Wait, what was the Paul Schrader movie again? Uh, Dog Eat Dog, which played at TIFF two oh. years ago. Nicolas Cage, Willem Dafoe. Uh, it was like these three ex-cons get together to pull off a heist. It goes wrong, blah, blah, blah. Oh. It's one of those. It was, was good. Is it based on like an Eddie Bunker book? I don't know. Okay. But uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage, my brother from another mother. Um, anytime he's out doing the Lord's work acting, I, I'm thrilled. You're on board. I was going to say, has Willem Dafoe ever been in a bad movie? But then I remembered, yeah, he was in Boondock Saints, which is yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. He was also in Speed movie? 2 Cruise Control. Oh, I hey, never saw that one. That's still better than Boondock Saints. <laughs> Do you remember Body of Evidence alongside Madonna? Mm-hmm. Ooh. 
I have a one. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Lil? No. I'm good. All right. Hit, hit us with your um. Oh no, he's got. This, she wasn't kidding. No. Wait, how many pages? This is no. This is my. This is my film journal. <laughs> I write. Whole book. I've written. He's gonna go through page by <laughs> no, no. page. Get, get comfortable, listeners. <laughs> no, no. I've, I I keep. A, I write down get every time I see. <laughs> This is this is no no this is this isn't all like in the last week. This is like from twenty fifteen. <sighs> Get into your comfy PJs. When did when did when did we re- when did we record? Night. Tell us a story. So Grant. glad you're back, Vanessa. Um, <laughs> when when did we record? Did I tell you guys about encounters of the spooky kind in the last episode? I can't remember. It's the uh, the Sammo Hung uh, Kung Fu horror hybrid movie that that didn't which ends on a very up. misogynistic note that kind of threw me for a loop. Oh, where he no. just starts beating the crap out of his wife because he realizes you were cheating on me and literally he just starts punching oh, so the whole movie is Samuel Hung it's kind of a, uh, a Hong Kong action remake of The Ghost and Mr. Chicken uh, the Don Knotts film from the 60s everyone's looking at me blankly like I'm a moron this is so familiar um, that totally sounds like a Don Knotts movie that's really good check it out The Ghost right. and Mr. Chicken um, so it's uh, so it's that also sounds like a Werner Herzog film <laughs> The Ghost and Mr. Chicken <laughs> first it was the ghost then it was the chicken um, no so it's it's a uh, Hong Kong martial arts film starring Samuel Hung uh, a scene of it was infamously sampled in the Wow. Lillian, my wow. God! Thank God that wasn't on microphone. Lillian just made a double entendre <laughs> regarding Hi-oh. the name of Samuel Hung, indicating that he might have some extra large. He may be related to a horse. Extremities. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Appendages. Uh, moving right along. Moving right along. Samuel Hung plays this man whose wife is cheating on him and with a, uh, a governor. And the governor decides the best way to get rid of um, Samuel Hung is to have, through witchcraft. So he enlists a local wizard to uh, have... to your, res- your local wizard? Your friend, yeah, friendly neighborhood wizard? Yeah, just a local wizard. wizard, like the guy that lives next door to me, yeah. who, um, to, uh, to basically like uh, resurrect some dead bodies to attack and kill him. So he has to spend a night in a temple for some reason. Um, it's it's awesome, and at the end there's a good wizard that actually possesses Samuel Hung with the body of a female martial artist ghost, which is awesome because Samuel Hung kind of like struts around a a, um, a courtyard and kicks the crap out of a bunch of guys. Does he move his hip around? He does, yeah. He moves his he, hips, he rather, he his hip, his one uh, hip. around. He, he saunters around the courtyard and just kicks the crap out of all the guys. Um, and then it ends with uh, everybody dead, dead except for Samuel Hung and his wife. Samuel Hung's wife comes, comes out and he realizes, oh my god, she was cheating on me. Then beats the crap out of her, and it ends with him hoisting her up over the head, screaming out, "You bitch!" And then frees from as he throws her off a cliff. Yeah, you definitely didn't tell us about this last week. Yeah, okay, that movie was weird. I was up, with, I was totally with it up until the last scene when I was just like, "Holy crap!" And then I remember I've seen. There's so many crimes of passion. Crime. It's one of them. Wow, Lillian, Lillian for Devil's the win. advocate. Hey, when uh, a, a woman gets killed, sh- no, when a man gets killed, they, what do they say? Cherche la femme. <laughs> Lillian Perez for the win, folks. Okay, so next I saw. <laughs> next, you're, I, you're not wrong. Next, I finally watched one of or my. Maybe f- you are. Uh, there's, there's, 
only two films by this filmmaker I have not seen, uh, Jim Jarmusch, but I'm remedying it this week. I finally watched Ghost Dog the Way of the Samurai. I've always kind of wanted to see that. Fantastic movie. Uh, what, so good. Wu Tang does the soundtrack. Uh, the Rizzo. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Ghost Dog? I haven't. Sorry. Uh, no, but his, the actor, the, the star is. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, can you give us a, a synopsis on that one too? <laughs> so, Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai basically covers a. It's set in. It's not. It's set in an unknown city, but it was shot entirely in Jersey City, New Jersey, and it focuses on Ghost Dog, who is an assassin for the mafia, the Italian mafia, played by Forrest Whitaker. So, Ghost Dog uh, lives his life by the code of the samurai. Um, and the interesting thing about it is that it's set in the '90s, and in Jim Jarmusch kind of is showing that like the Italian mafia has kind of fallen. Yet they're all still living large. They operate out of this. There's this great scene uh, towards the midway point where they're in this restaurant where they like work out of where they just kind of hang out all day eating whatever. And the landlord comes by and says like, hey, man, you're like six months behind on rent, like either pay up or get out. And that's when it all starts to key in. Every time we go to a gangster's house, the house is for sale. They go to the what they call the castle out in the woods, which is out in the uh, New Jersey um, uh, countryside. And it's the Pine Barrens, the Pine Barrens. And it's this giant. I know Kit's seen The Sopranos. Um, (laughs) And it's this giant, like, you know, mansion out in the woods, but it's also for sale because the Italian mafia is in decline. And these guys are all dinosaurs, and Ghost Dog is kind of the way. Essentially, Ghost Dog uh, takes out, does a, performs a hit ordered by a mafioso, but the mafioso ordered it against another mafioso. Even though it was justified, the mafia decides, like, hey, we should kill off Ghost Dog because he killed one of our own. And so that instead, so basically Ghost Dog uh, becomes a masterless samurai ronin, if you would, and has to turn on the the Italian mobsters that have employed him for the past several years. How many Sopranos actors are in this film? About half a dozen. Half a dozen, But yeah. the head mobster is played by freaking Henry Silva. You guys know Henry Silva? I feel like I should. He's an American actor. Henry Silva was in... I don't know if I've ever shown you a movie starring Henry Silva. He was in a lot of Eurocrime films in Italy in the 1970s and 80s. He was in Chained Heat. He um, He's just one of those actors, like, when he pops up in something, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Henry Silva, because he's amazing. And he, he just, like, he can do more sitting down reading a menu than Sean Penn can do delivering a monologue for 20 minutes. All I remember about Ghost Dog is that dude. Uh, Sean Penn. Suck at Sean Penn. <laughs> All I remember about Ghost Dog is that dude uh, reciting Public Enemy lyrics. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good hip hop in Ghost Dog, um, and the Rizzo even has a brief cameo as a black man in camouflage, um, where he kind of like just you know fist bumps Ghost Dog and says like, "Yo, Ghost Dog, original samurai," and then keeps on walking. That's good. Um, so then I saw. Dream Stalker, which just sucked. It was a uh, late 80s shot on video movie. It sucked. Um, and then I saw, I watched Star Trek Beyond, which was the last uh, big feature film Star Trek uh, adaptation featuring the um, the new post, what are we going to call them? The postmodern uh, Star Trek crew featuring Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and Zoe Skeldana and Simon Pegg. Who wrote it? Simon, Simon Pegg, Pegg wrote, wrote it, yeah. And it is probably the best of the new Star Trek Simon films. Pegg? Simon Pegg wrote the movie. S- the script, yeah. and he's in it. He's Scotty. Uh, Scotty. Oh, I'm so there. It's There's so... been three of these films, Lily. I know. I know I'm, I'm totally out of the loop. <laughs> I love Simon Pegg. And this is the best one. Unfortunately, it was also the least performing, so there'll probably be never be another one, sadly. But it is the best of the new Star <laughs> Trek films. It depends on how Discovery does, if 
I don't know. I don't think so. And then tonight, and then I watched The Square with you, Kit, last night, and that was it. I had a bit of a light week in watching movies. That's a light week? Yeah. <laughs> I love how you guys are like, <laughs> laughing at me. So, guys. Okay, what? That was three? That's very light. That's four. That was four. Super light for me, yeah. Oh, I can't count. Cats, right out of the bag. Mm-hmm. So, guys. <laughs> We're abandoning abandoning our normal fare on this film. On this episode, we're going to watch a documentary, The Killing of America. Um, I'm excited to get Vanessa's viewpoints on it as a documentarian herself. And also, out of all of us here, I think she is the most, the biggest documentary fan. Don't make that face at me. I love how this is a podcast and, like, I kind of want you to, to verbalize, like, you're, like, shaking your head at me. It's okay. You don't but have to do it right podcast, now. But it's so a podcast. So they'll never know. <laughs> yeah. We have uh, significant snacks and significant beer to get us through this. This is a. He- I'm not going to lie, guys. This is a heavy movie. None of you have seen The Killing of America, right? Did anyone want to at least watch the trailer beforehand? I have not. No. I have. Can we? I I did. I can't help myself. No, no, it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm excited to see some of the um, archival, I guess, and like of the uh, interviews with serial killers, which yeah. I'm thinking is going to be a big part of the like one of the highlights of the film um it's a it's a lot of archival like i i I don't know they called together a lot of news reports interviews and shot a bunch of new interviews and shot new footage it's the kind of documentary that unfortunately i don't think it's made anymore because now documentaries are in the netflix era there's a lot of people that are making documentaries or saying they're documentaries and they're not really spending time this you could tell that someone was researching this for at least five years it was a long process making this documentary. It was an even longer process releasing it because when it initially screened at the, I think, New York Film Festival in 1981, no one wanted to, to release it in North America. It got a video release in Britain. I think it got released on DVD and video in Japan. And uh, it wasn't until this year, 2017, that it had its first ever release for home video or theatrically in North America. So... Yeah, it's pretty wild uh, it got released in Britain, of all places, mm-hmm. considering it's the video nasty era. Mm-hmm. But this isn't a genre film, even though it was it's released true. by a genre film distribution company. But you showed um, but you showed me the trailer a while back. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, snuff footage in the yeah, trailer. Yeah, but, but, but that's different, though, because this is considered educational. Anyways, okay. guys. Um, does anyone have anything else to talk about before we dive into this? Yeah, yeah, we should announce um, today. The RIPs? No, no, I can't no, think of any. Normally you're the, the, the dead guy. They're the, the oh, wait, death I'm guy. so glad that that's what I'm known as. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say today, November 17th, although this, uh, this podcast probably won't be out until January. Sorry, sorry, Graham. March, Kit, March. Um, today is Martin Scorsese's 75th birthday. Holy Happy birthday, crap. Marty. We should, all, um, we should all name our favorite Martin Scorsese films. And if anybody says Kundun, I'll know you're lying. <laughs> um, go, you go first, Phil. What's your favorite Martin Scorsese film? Uh, it's a toss-up between After Hours and King of Comedy. Wow. Vanessa? Oh, I like After Hours, too. After Hours is a good That's one. That's a fun one. Uh, King of Comedy is another good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Uh, let mm-hmm. me think. Well, Taxi Driver is one of those uh, yeah. classics, I guess. Um, and you know what? I'm actually it? embarrassed yeah. to say I've never watched Goodfellas. I think I might be the only one in this room, honestly, seen or in the world. No. That's one of those films yeah. where I think like it's been watched too many times by people because it's gone from being just a movie to being a way of like. Because I remember I was stuck in Windsor shooting a movie a few years ago. 
and on AMC they were showing Goodfellas and Casino back to back just constantly and I got so sick of it like I used to love Goodfellas but now anytime it comes on I'm like oh shut it off it's it's just overdone it needs to go away for like 30 years I need to see it when I'm 63 um, <laughs> I'm so freaking old um, and uh, not, not like you guys are your teenagers for God's sake um, in spirit um, Lillian what's your favorite Martin Scorsese movie I don't know I'm not a favorites person really I don't have favorites of anything really but he's got a huge lineup and I like a lot of them if not most of them Kid, what's New yours? York New York maybe Oh, can I just say oh, Mean Streets was an interesting was watch. I, I watched that like actually for the first time like last Christmas or something in Brockville. Yeah. Like, nice Christmas yeah, movie. Because um, Phil's, I don't know if it was, no, it wasn't Turner Classics. I don't know. He has, he has like a bunch of channels, Phil's dad and uh, my partner's dad. And uh, I remember watching it and uh, sorry, I'm totally, uh, give me a second to remember his name. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the Harvey actor. Keitel? No, 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 no. Um, asphyxiation. He died of asphyx- asphyxiation. Oh, David Carradine? David Carradine. Man, those scenes with him, right? He's in it. Is he is in he? Mean- I haven't seen Mean Streets in like is 20 years. Is he in Mean Streets? He is in Mean Streets. Am I confusing it with another film? I don't know. Oh, no. Now I'm embarrassed because I might have confused it with another film. I was going to say De Niro's in Mean Streets. I think he is. He's he's Carradine? like a, he's like drunk in it. Yeah. Can you IMDb oh, that? I'm looking it up. Yeah. Is he in that? Yeah. It's just more editing for me later. Maybe so I'm, message to future Graham, not. edit, edit, edit. Maybe he's not. I'm totally confusing it with another film. Yep. Okay, the scenes with him are hilarious, and I think he was totally drunk. Like He, he must, was billed as drunk. He yeah. was billed as drunk. He was like the drunk dude at the bar, and he broke shit, and it was it was amazing to see that. Well, the interesting thing we always yeah. forget is that David Carradine was actually a good actor. Like, in his film, um, what was the Woody Strode uh, autobiography pick that he was in? Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory. About Woody Guthrie. Yeah, Woody Guthrie, not Woody Strode. Sorry, that Woody Strode was oh, the yeah, actor. Yeah, from that's an underrated film. Can we point the mic, at Kit? Sorry, that's an underrated film. Okay. And well, the mic's pointing out, Kit. What's your favorite Martin Scorsese film? Oh, it's seen. It's it's fashionable to trash on Goodfellas, but I do really like that film. That's cool. Me too. Um, I don't know. I I brought this up, and I was gonna say Mean Streets, but now it's already been brought up. So, um, we'll we'll just say like um some obscure shit that nobody's seen, like Bringing Out the Dead or. Mm. The Age of Innocence, just My so voice I can sound smart. The Age of Innocence, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, Last Waltz. I'm going to say The Last Waltz. I really like that. Yeah, that as far a as one. a concert film, it's probably the best one. Yeah. Is that what, uh, about the band? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I totally forgot. I was no going to ask looking no, over okay. your shoulder. No, okay. That's fine. I don't care. At the IMDb page. I totally forgot. They, driver, I keep forgetting that you directed the it's video taxi for Bad. Guys, guys, we can't have two different conversations at once on the podcast while we're speaking in the microphones. Uh, and if my brother were here, he would say Raging Bull and Taxi Driver, probably. That's good. So that my answer, because Vanessa asked while she was off microphone, is, in fact, Taxi Driver. Hands down. That's good. Mm. I don't need to say anything else. So do we have any further thoughts, questions, queries, opinions, dreams, hopes? Can we watch this movie? That's my dream and hope. Thanks, Lil. Wow. Was this the longest introduction we've had? I, I feel yeah. like, or have yeah. you had longer? No, this is the longest. Oh, yeah. Right now, unedited, this is 41 minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, my God. You're like choking grounds, like premature dump my video. Yeah. And how many episodes are you behind unediting? Oh, God. No, this is this is the end of our uh, of our true crime series. So the other ones we recorded before October, then we took a break to record the uh, Halloween episodes. And now we are going to be uh, jumping in, finishing up our true crime series. So, 
before this one comes out, that'll be <clears throat> another Son of Sam, which is a great episode. And then Copycat, which is a good episode. And then this episode, which is awesome so far. So, <coughs> without further ado, before I die on video, um, we are about to watch The Killing of America, and we will be back in a few moments. See you soon. I am an American, and I killed Americans. I am a human being, and I killed human beings. And I did it in my society. 10 to 20. Uh, Drop the gun. Drop the gun. America the Beautiful has become America the Violent. This is the country that produces an attempted murder every three minutes, a murder victim every 20 minutes, 27,000 murders a year, and the number is growing. No one is safe. But when I saw him there that night, he seemed like a, a saint. Every morning when I get up, I say, I wish that son of a gun were alive. For the first time ever, anywhere, you can see the true face of the evil that is destroying our country. You will meet the new breed of killer. This broad I killed. This broad I've never seen before. They're veterans, honor students, advocates of law and order. They will cry. Mama, I killed thee. They will laugh. They will tell you why they have to kill. To shock her with a cold metal. And a week later, I murdered my mother. So no, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. I just stabbed to death and cut the throat of an innocent young woman as I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it. Every scream, every cry for help, every image of madness is real. No matter how paralyzing the shock. You're the mother. Know the truth and survive the killing of America. It's okay. Nobody's getting hurt. Just come on in. Hey, hey, come on in. You better come on in. Come in, please. Come on in. It's too late now. Grab your seat over there. So, that was the killing of America. Yeah. America is now dead. Bad joke, kid. That was a good joke. I like it. So... Um, this one was very different from our usual affair. It was a very somber affair. We saw a lot of uh, real life atrocity. Um, it's kind of hard because I mean, like, occasionally we tried to laugh during it, but we couldn't because uh, this film is it was erroneously marketed initially as being one of the Mondo films, the uh, the Mondo Kane or the. Um, when were we trying to laugh? I can't remember wanting to laugh. I think I did it was. laugh like once. Kid Nick. was trying to like. What not the three. Kid, somebody getting maimed. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my type of humor, Will. Yeah, you just wanted to pipe in the Benny Hill theme after every murder. Um, no, you didn't. No, you speed kid it up inside to yakety sacks. <laughs> yakety yak. Don't talk about. No, 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 no. Kid didn't think that. Um, I was saying to these guys in our brief like pause in between record, uh, watching and recording that I saw. I've seen this film three times, and I own this version on Blu-ray, remastered and. High definition, and it's. Some people wonder why I own movies like this, um, and I do because I actually think this is an important film because so much in our contemporary media we kind of gloss over stuff really fast or we tend to laugh it off. Like 
with the current situation in the United States, um, they have a president, Donald Trump, who's not very good at his job. And surrounding that, there is a lot of mayhem and violence. And we kind of can laugh it off with, you know, when Trump mentions Kofefe or he, you know, doesn't know who the president of Vietnam is. You know, it's 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 easily laughed off. But this one was not easily laughed off. So that's why I own it. And that's why I watch it. And I kind of wanted to change things up with our podcast because we do watch a lot of schlock. And this is definitely not schlock. Um, even though it was initially sold as schlock. It was sold as being uh, part of the Mondo Con- Mondo series of documentaries. Like, oh, it's shocking Asia. It's Mondo topless. It's Mon- it's um, Africa blood and guts. Like, come see the freak show. But this freak show looked inward, which changed things for the for the audience that they were selling it to. And this is why it was not released in North America until I actually double-checked. It was on Election Day 2016 that it finally got released in North America. And I think I bought it, like, soon afterwards. Um I think when you showed me the trailer, this is maybe a few days before mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Paddock um, killed fifty nine yeah. people yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, um, yeah. and th- and that's the thing is like there the, in this film there was a couple like mass shooters that we all kind of were like who is this guy and like there's just so many from any time period in the United States that we don't really know because they're just so commonplace. So sorry to bring this podcast down, but. I just felt that we needed to change up. We needed to show something or watch something just just thematically different. It's, it's certainly a somber ending to our true crime series. Yeah. Because that's the thing. We could kind of la- laugh off the Zodiac Killer, but we have to remember real people died. We could kind of laugh off Another Son of Sam, but again, real people died. And we could kind of laugh off Copycat, but Copycat was, again, trying to capitalize on... A true crime. What, kid? Are you just trying to make us feel bad, Greg? No, 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 no. I'm not trying to... I'm not really trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to point it in, like... Because I enjoy so much violent schlock. Like, the majority of films I own contain so murder. every time you say schlock, I think schlong. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Am I alone? That's a good tension yes, breaker, you're, you're alone, Lillian. Lil, uh, you, but, you've, Lil, but you've that's got a why, theme going tonight. That's why I love you, so... <laughs> I do, don't I? Yes. Um, Samuel, <laughs> Samuel hung, hung as a horse, schlock, schlong. <sighs> Somebody's mind's in the gutter. It's Lily. Hey, you guys started it. No, we didn't. Get your dirty mind out the gutter. So <laughs> You ain't knocking boots. Schlong, Are you? <laughs> no. Schlock, schlong, come on, I'm not alone. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm alone here. I am? Okay. Yeah, you're alone. Um... So that's why we watch this, because I, I think it's important to be reflexive upon the media that we consume. And this film almost is a comment on the media, because a lot of the the stuff from pre-1979, 1980 was culled from news reports or archival footage. Um, there was some, like the original stuff, like in, they go to New York, they go to the streets of Los Angeles, like that stuff was all shot for the documentary of purpose and it was also like the interviews with the um the coroners or the uh los angeles county um district attorney that was all shot for the documentary but a lot of this is stuff that was literally pulled from the news in the 1970s and 1960s and it's reflexive of the media of which it was born and i think it's reflexive of now to be honest like i don't really feel Watching it, I this for this third time because I watched it. The first time I watched it, I watched it on video during the Obama era. Uh, it was a bootleg online uh, streamer that was sent to me, and it it deeply disturbed me. But I was like, oh, thank God that period's over. And then I watched it again because I bought the Blu-ray like right after Trump was elected, and I'm like, oh my God, 
we are living in this era again and now watching it now I feel sadness but I don't feel shock so that's where I'm coming from with this film and I don't know if that's the right way to approach it or the wrong way to approach it but that's the way that I feel art should affect you is that you're you have a reaction a serious reaction like it's not me laughing at it it's not me enjoying it I don't enjoy this film I appreciate it I guess yeah like a lot of um, a lot of this footage they show in this movie I, I guess this is what you'd see on the news like and this and so much of this because this, this came out before pretty much all of us were born and yeah. um, I guess this was the time before infotainment and 24 uh, hour news cycle so mm-hmm. you just flick on the news and uh, oh there's uh, Lee Harvey Oswald being shot at live on TV or um, there's the 5 o'clock police shootout well, we were uh, we were actually talking earlier about um, uh, Richard Speck, who's not mentioned in this in this film. But um, you remember that uh, what was it on Entertainment Tonight or some something like on, that in the nineties? It was on Entertainment Tonight. It was on hard copy. It was on a lot of news sources. It was so. supposed to be like a shock uh, inside edition. Yeah, and it was supposed to be like a shocker of look what's happening in our prisons. And it was Richard Speck with uh, breast implants wearing a pink nightie and, and, and panties panties and doing drugs and performing fellatio on his boyfriend in the prison and drugs being passed freely around and like I just had a brief moment of like my mother shutting off the TV quite away saying like I can't believe they're showing this on on the news and then because like when Rich, when I saw Richard Speck in Mindhunter I was totally like I know that name from somewhere who is it and I looked it up and I'm like oh my god is that guy and even in the 90s we're getting this kind of news but that was also before the big media conglomerations of the late 1990s where like Time Warner brought uh, Turner Entertainment, which owns CNN, and also the whole uh, media mergers of the uh, the very early 2000s, which kind of like left a lot of voices neglected. So, Vanessa, sorry to put this on you, but you're a documentarian. I hated it. No, <laughs> Yeah, that's not what I was going. Uh-huh. For. I wasn't even going for like you hated or liked it from like a structural standpoint. For, I, from just like because like they really don't make documentaries like this anymore. Because this film is almost a survey of violence in America from 1962 up until 1981. Right, that's what it felt like. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, like- it's it's a survey of violence, mm-hmm. as horrible as that sounds. But that's what it is. But it's also very reflective because whenever I think of the 1970s, and we in Canada. We had our shooter in in um, in Ottawa a few years ago, uh, who killed two. In Parliament. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Parliament shooter. He uh, he killed two uh, two servicemen that were stationed at the War Memorial in Ottawa, and then attempted to break into Parliament Hill. Um, the three fa- uh, the three members of my immediate fa- of my immediate family were actually in Ottawa at the time, and were under lockdown. Um, and watching this film. And late last year kind of reminded me of the feeling I had on that day, which was, was powerlessness. Like, all three of them reached out to me immediately and said, like, hey, we're okay. But it's just, it's a gut punch to think that we live in a world where suddenly we can be rocked with violence. And in the 70s, like, it was the area of the serial killer or the sequence killer or whatever they were called. In this film, we saw Edmund Kemper and Ted Bundy. And the thing, the crazy thing is, like, this was still before B- the BTK killer was caught, or the Green River killer, or Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, this is not the end. The, the documentary ends in 1981 with the murder of John Lennon. This is not the end of the atrocity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
sorry, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Where I'm just... did it end? Sorry? You said um, 62 to what? It was 62 to, uh, to 81. Or 80 or 81. I also know John, John Lennon's... At vigil, John Lennon's... Can we, can we mic Vanessa, please? Sorry, at, it the, was... at the vigil... Right, um, for Lennon's. For Lennon's, yeah. So, um, and I, sadly enough, you know, always knew John Lennon's vigil, or the, the date of his death, even before I knew who, that he was in the Beatles, because mm-hmm. it's my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was so, shot on, he was shot on December the 8th and died on December the 9th. Um, okay, so are you saying that this film had a, like, a resonated with you like it does, emotionally yeah. or? It's, it still does even even okay. today i was kind of like when we were watching i was kind of very like i made a mistake in putting this on our, our block sorry the there's no ghost that choose the movies it's me i'm i'm the host of this podcast and i what what <laughs> thanks guys for holding we're breaking kayfabe breaking kayfabe um oh, Graham, our, our nerves are shot after this flick and you throw us that whammy sure but that was a whammy that's exactly what that was <laughs> maybe you'd like that Thanks. Double whammy, maybe? No? Mm. But something I'm, I'm not clear about, not to say that mm-hmm. uh, films have to have, like, um, a message of any sort. Not to say you have to have a message, but I'm not really clear what the filmmaker was trying to get across. Like, like I mean, I, I am clear in that, yeah, America's violent and there's mm-hmm. lots of murders, um, you well. know, every minute, every year. But... I don't know. It just felt um, a little too textbook for me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know well, if um, emotionally I got. I, I didn't feel. I. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so jaded by no, like, no, the no, news no. or and something. I, here's the thing. I've but, also like. But I've heard about a lot of these killers. Mm-hmm. So but, but also, not all like, of them. There are there are a few that I was introduced the, to. The thing to remember is that like also I was as much as I was watching this documentary, I was also watching you guys to see your reactions, and your reactions were genuine and. And that of shock because oh, yeah. this documentary does not hold. Can we keep, keep sorry, the microphone? No, 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 no. Whenever, yeah, just sorry. Whenever you want to talk, please, please take the microphone. Um, I uh, like this film does not hold back. That's the thing. Like it's, it's you know, I joke like my my go to punchline movie is Cannibal Holocaust because it's quote unquote the movie that goes all the way, which we'll probably never watch on this podcast. But um, this film does go on the way all the way because. Kitty even said, like, this is basically a snuff film. I would say it's not a snuff film, because a snuff film is is made specifically with the idea of filming a murder for entertainment purposes, and I don't think that's what this film's no, about. No, no, I obviously I was being cheeky when I said that. Of course. But, um, like, no, some of the images are... Uh, but, but you're right in a way, because there's a lot to be said for what gets, what gets uh, you know outsourced and shown to the public well, like there's there's like one one still there's image kind of that sticks in my head is a guy who's too. who's blown his his brains out with a shotgun and his head is split wide split apart half, yeah and it's like jesus that's pretty rough to see yeah. yeah um anyway just to answer um um vanessa's um query about Poorly. what the well it's just uh writer director sheldon rannon stated that this documentary reflected the decline of the united states of america but of course i think it would be important to say you know the decline for whom decline for i suppose um upper middle class white america specifically because mm-hmm. well i think the film the thing that this film doesn't point out <laughs> that other because minorities had been suffering yeah. in america for quite some time mm-hmm. remember slavery was was a thing yes um, but how I put it as is that because the thing the thing that I've like I've talked to some people that were alive during the late 40s and early 50s and after World War II there was this general thought that 
maybe things could work out all right. Maybe we could see peace in our times because after World War II with the atrocities of the concentration camps, there was a, a feeling amongst at least the educated um, people in North America and Europe that we've hit our lowest point. We can't go any lower. But I don't think that they were prepared for... There were a couple, two, two different things. Like, A, the, the rampant poverty that followed in the inner cities of the United States uh, in the mid to late 1960s. And also, the thing that this film doesn't point out that a lot of books I've read on this subject have is that coming back from World War, or not World War II, but uh, coming back from the Vietnam War, you had a lot of people who were poor that were drafted into it and were essentially trained to kill. And then when the tour end, their tour ended, they came back, were discharged, and were put out into, a lot of the times, major city streets like New York, Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, or Minneapolis even, which is also uh, not really touched on. But they were essentially discharged without any kind of psychological uh, work done to say, like, hey, you, you experienced something so incredibly violent and mind-altering but here you are back in society, just go forth. And I know this because I, I produced the film and Kit worked on it of, of uh, about a woman who was raped in Detroit in 19, uh, God, I forget the year, it was in the 1970s. And the person who committed the atrocity was a Vietnam veteran who essentially was a poor black person from Detroit, sent off to Vietnam and then came back. And I'm not excusing it, but was, essentially shown hey power and violence can work in the situation psychologically that damaged him and then he came back to north america and continued to spread psychological damage and physical damage and physical violence well they, they have an interview with a uh, serial killer ed kemper yes and he's just talking well, he chopped off women's heads and what does the film say so, oh. It's slept with the heads slept is what the, the film they, Coily they, puts no, it, it as. It wasn't even slept with the heads. That was what he said he did. Right. No, the... There might oh. have been evidence that he okay. did that. I don't know. That's kind of like the... Besides the point. Slept is a play. But he was just um, musing about how he's holding these human heads. He's carrying them around. He has them in his satchel. And he's like, this is really messed up. Like doing this. Vietnam, like with, but with then he's the, also like, no, the this is trophies. pretty normal. This is, this is part of my country's heritage. Another side of him would say. And then he would return to the fact that no he's a messed up individual mm -hmm. so that kind of yeah yeah conflict. inner conflict right but it just speaks to Graham's point about um, that kind of uh, visceral um, being exposed to that kind of um, sh shocking Violence, brutality yeah. going going overseas and pointing pointing your gun at um, thousands of people and shooting them will not make you return home normal no well, it, with the war in Iraq, um, a lot of the American soldiers that came home, they had to teach them that you can't just walk into a store and take whatever you want. Because in Iraq, after it fell, it fell hard and fast. And Iraq was a, you know, it had wealthy sections. So there would be soldiers just walking into stores and taking whatever they wanted to take with them. And they almost had to, like, deprogram. They had to, not almost, but they had to de deprogram these soldiers to say, like, listen, you can't walk into Walmart and just take out whatever you want. You can't just wave your gun around. Um, and look at the spike in murders and, and violent crime that we have right now. Like, it's not unrelated. It can't be. Well, um, yeah, but also, like, statistics are messed up. Like, we, we, we get yes. uh, oversaturated with um, with media and nonstop 24-hour news cycles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it seems like 
like um, crime rates have actually gone down. Yes, yes, they have. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They have gone down. They have been going down since 1990. I don't, I don't know about um, violent crime. I can't, I can't say for sure. Well, I'm about also that, speaking but... about about the Ameri- about the United States of America, which I re- re- like. We're all Canadian here. Which but is, I remember, really... um, um, like after after the Vegas shooting, for example, where um, what's his face Paddock. Um, there shot a whole bunch of people and there was um you know these military guys who were like you know i carried a ak-47 over overseas i don't want to see that being carried over here in america and it's like it's mm-hmm. fucked up that you're carrying it overseas too and shooting it at people that's not normal there either it's it's not normal here and it's not normal there it's fucked up everywhere yeah. sorry guys i don't think, i don't even think we can do our traditional breakdown of the movie because this isn't a traditional break movie that we can break down um. Uh, yeah, well, 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 what I will say is it's got uh, acts. So we'll just uh, we'll just list the acts here. So um, it starts off with a with a brief vignette, which is just basically um, just a suburban, um, more impoverished uh, America where just just crimes happen and people are shooting shootouts with the police and stuff like that. People are just dying in the streets. That makes it seem pretty bad. Um, then Act One is political killings. So we get uh, JFK, we get Bobby Kennedy, we get uh, George Wallace, uh, a few others. Um, Act Two is the Mad. Uh, what, what have I got? The Mad Savior. Uh, so you get uh, guys like Charles Manson. You get Reverend Jim jo- Jim Jones, um, and there's a bunch of other names here that I don't think will. Uh, Berkowitz is kind of lumped into this because he thought his uh, his, his dog was ordering him to kill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His neighbor's dog. Sorry, not his. Dog. And then we have Act Three, which is sex killers, which is kind of a, a almost a it's kind of code for serial sens- killer. Yeah, it's a sensational kind of term. Uh, not all serial killers are sex killers, but I guess most of them generally tend to be. Um, yeah. Right, you know, that's funny you said that, because I was thinking, what is this movie, how do you summarize it's like a glossary or like a classification of the different, like, personalities, uh, personalities of serial, not personalities, uh, motivations of serial killers, so what was the other one? It was The Savior? The second the one? Savior, was the Savior, yeah. That was, that was the character that thought that they were the ones that could do it. And then Vengeance or like political, uh, I don't know. Just, uh, uh, sorry. Politically motivated. Motivated. Killings. Yeah. So like Sirhan Sirhan and um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. And then later Timothy McVeigh. But Timothy McVeigh also had a savior complex as well. Because he assumed that by what he was doing when he uh, bombed the Oklahoma City building, he believed that he would spark a revolution. Which, to make it, to be honest, Charles Manson also believed that. So did Sirhan Sirhan. Like Sirhan Sirhan thought he would get, get, get uh, independence for Palestine by killing Robert Kennedy. Sorry, back to you, Vanessa. Oh, no. Um, I just wonder. I wonder if the girls from My Favorite Murder have watched this doc. Do you, do you, I mean, I w- that would have been a good question to ask at the Toronto uh, podcast. The oh, I'm podcast. sure. Like, uh, I guess since it's only been recently available, like maybe somebody's brought it up, but mm. who knows? Did it ever? It never had a theatrical release. Mm. It played a couple of film festivals in the States. Yeah. It played, I think, one theater in Britain. Mm. played in Japan, and then that, and then that was... years or only recently? Hmm? Only since it's been released or over the years? No, it, it played a handful of theaters in 1981. It never made its home video in the United States. And in Britain, it played a handful of theaters as well. And I think it made its home video out there. In 81? In, in the 80s. I don't know if it was 81 exactly. It might have been like later on in 85, 86. It was probably after the whole video nasty situation kind of faded away. Maybe late 80s. Because the thing is, 
this film is is real like this film is it's it's cinema verite to a large like extent anthology right an anthology of atrocity yeah. yeah yeah as much as the narration was entertaining it mm-hmm. ruined it for me <laughs> sorry i'll be honest with I, you. I can see that i know you're not a narration fan and actually as a documentarian i was going to ask you because mm-hmm. The other thing too, as well as like, so Vanessa, it made like, it more palatable. Like I, yeah. I think I, I enjoyed it at times because mm-hmm. like the narration was just so. I mean, he has that voice yeah. that Chuck. What's his name? Chuck. Uh, his his name's Chuck Riley, and uh, he's got mm-hmm. a very distinctive voice. And as I real, I, I've just checked him out. <laughs> He's mostly known. He did. Uh, he was the narrator for the theatrical trailer of The Godfather, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, Die Hard, Child's Play 2, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, um, Nixon, just Titanic. Uh, so he's been around for quite a while. He actually passed away, I think, in 2007. So he worked with James Cameron, you're saying? Uh, oh, dear. That's where his career went downhill, right there. Sorry, Brian. Well, it was Ronin is his last uh, theatrical trailer. Um that was 98 98 yeah mm-hmm. so oh sorry one more thing i was going to add mm-hmm. was um as much as i enjoyed the score i also took issue with the music the music choice is the, the director's name you mean the needle drops or the actual score the score not the needle drops the, the soundtrack the is score, the, the drops, soundtrack yeah. sorry the soundtrack yeah. the soundtrack because like the, the, all... the score there was some original score written for this but oh, there's okay. also the soundtrack which featured you know homicide by 999 which is one of my favorite songs right. and uh john that was Lennon's, during the alex jones bit right that was during no, earlier alex sorry. jones no no did i say alex jones jim jones jim jones no no that, that was that was put, that was like alex the rise jones. of like the 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 violence in in inner cities oh right sorry that old sequence sorry mm-hmm. but also john lennon's imagine and uh of course uh the infamous dusty springfield right buffalo springfield buffalo springfield sorry not dusty springfield buffalo springfield's um what was that song called for what it's worth for what it's worth yeah great song these are all great songs i but just know it as, like, as the public enemies like i i don't think they were appropriate yeah. for this film <laughs> but then again but it's, it's the time as well like the yeah. thing is, and I, I wanted to ask you specifically vanessa because you watch more contemporary documentaries where the documentaries i watch tend to be from the 70s or, or the 80s like i don't really watch contemporary documentaries they kind of annoy me oh, to be honest ooh, because they annoy you well well the thing is like i find that a lot of contemporary documentaries and i don't mean this as a criticism and obviously yours are exempt from this because i love your documentaries um Documentary. i'm a i'm a fan <laughs> and that's why you're here <laughs> is i find that a lot of the times because now the the format is so i don't want to say cheap to make but but it's more doable now than it was in the past like this film that was entirely shot on 16 millimeter or the archival footage was transferred to 16 millimeter then blown up to 35 for the final release mm-hmm. whereas now any you know jag off with a with a, uh, a, a a dslr can shoot a documentary that has shallowed up the field um I, like this film took a lot of a bit more heart like i'm much more a fan of this and uh hearts and minds and uh, the Beals of Granite Gardens, or I'm mispronouncing that because I drank three beers, um, uh, or Sherman's March. Like those are the kind of documentaries that I tend to enjoy and watch. Mm. Oh, wow, I'm having a flashback to like last to, year to, of uh, documentary university. Yeah. university yeah. yeah, documentary course. I do. But, yeah. but so you're a cinema verite fan. Yeah, I, kinda, no. I am. As much as I as I as as snobby and and stuck up as that sounds. Sherman's yes. March was like Sherman's March. Sherman's March was yeah. like 
self-reflexive Michael Moore style. It was, it was essentially that was like pre-Michael Moore. I know, it was essentially point of view, except yeah. when he sat down to like talking to the camera when he was in a hotel room late uh, at night. Yeah, I feel like I need to watch that again. That, that was, was quite a, a few one. years ago. Was a I, one I because, enjoyed it because time. it examined it examined his own idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies, love life, idiosyncr- right? his love life idiosyncrasies, yeah. and like just his own personal hangups as he made Sherman's March Across America. Mm-hmm. And with this film, I feel like this film is like it's more of a like I like I said earlier, it's a survey of American violence. And I kind of think we're at a point where we need The Killing of America Part 2. Oh, so I was just thinking um, this film sort of reminded me of Joshua Oppenheimer's uh, Act of Killing, in a way. And um, mm-hmm. the sequel, which I thought was actually better, which was... Um, what was the, it? The, 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 the Sound of the, Killing? The, look the, of Killing. Look of Silence, I think it was yeah. called. See, the I think uh, this, the parts that I was like the most... Um, sucked in by were the like the Ed Kemper interview like I think I could listen to another like 20-30 minutes of him rattling off well, of well the interesting stuff. thing is because we were talking about Ed, Ke- um, Ed Kemper like I thought that that yeah. was just touching like he was mm-hmm. just kind of scratching the surface with Ed Kemper like I was wanting more and I, I know, didn't I know, get anything I know. And, and, yeah. and again this he, film is got by the way over like 150 books on tapes uh, Vanessa if you want to get into them the thing, the, thing to remember, the, the, the thing to remember is that this this again was a 90 minute document Flowers in the Attic you said Phil yeah it's Flowers in the Attic oh good God. Um, I think the remember again is that this is a 90 minute documentary. So this, this basically just briefly touches on what I was trying to say is that I like this film, this, a lot of people see this film and are shocked or appalled by it, but I'm just saddened by it. And I don't know. Like, I feel that this is a film that I'm still trying to process uh, in the, in the, like I've had a relationship with this film for about, four years now and I, and I do I describe films as being a relationship like I, I met someone recently who had never seen Blade Runner until this year the original Blade Runner and I asked him what version he'd seen and he's like well I saw the director's cut I'm like is that the final cut or is it the, the director's cut from 1990 and he's like I think it was the director's cut from 1990 and I was like well you just started a relationship with this film mm. and with The Killing of America I have a relationship with it as well because like when I first saw it it was almost a dare it was like this is the most shocking messed up it was banned from the USA yeah. I, I was going to say this this film the other thing that this brought to mind uh, which is also in the opposite direction was mm-hmm. the uh, the Faces of Death series yeah yeah, yeah. and there was also different other series where it was like True Life Death and yeah well that, that was the Mondo documentary series there was even one and that like, was advertised on television do you remember this one uh, it was like banned from TV but they would still mm-hmm. advertise it on mm-hmm. television and be like a guy gets mm-hmm. hit by a train and yeah. shit like that it was all just like oh yeah this went on there were so was, many of those was, banned from TV that was the late 90s early 2000s yeah. like our, our very if you ever go if you ever want to shock go back and look at early 2000s like commercials we lived in a very sleazy time yes. that was the era of girls gone wild and, and, and bum fights bum oh, fights oh the worst they advertised bum fights on TV yeah mm-hmm. which we all want to And the, but here's the thing to, to note this where's do- Van Damme when you need him right <laughs> to, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> to take in, out the bum fighters the, the important thing to note is that this film is not bum fights this film is not no uh, no faces no far from it but this it film did, is not, it, that's why yes. it's like on the other side of the spectrum it brought to mind well, that, those well, that's, things that's the thing is that this film was essentially financed by uh, a little bit of trivia this film was financed to be like hey we're making a a shockumentary that's a what mondo it's listed film as, yeah. a yeah, and it was meant to be a contemporary to Faces of Death even though Faces of Death came out like a little little later but what I think is, is that it's it's it. They just hired filmmakers that actually gave a shit. They hired filmmakers that had that wanted to express an opinion, even if they didn't know what it was. Like I feel that this film is a thesis without a final statement. 
if you if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it ends with John Lennon and everybody crying. This peace lover is dead, and then what? Two people got killed there. Oh, hold on, hold on. Two people were shot to death during that that vigil. Yeah. Uh, I've got the vigil. quote, but. So and the important thing to note and as like, well is that during the f- course of the film, or like mm-hmm. if you watch the film, what they had many people pa- die. Five people were, were murdered while you were watching this film murdered. in the states okay. at that time. Okay. The important thing to note as well is that the whole reason that John Lennon is uh, in the documentary is because for oh, the Japanese well, you release this movie, five of five of us were murdered. <laughs> One was the random killing of a stranger. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One was random, a random killing of a stranger. Gave away the final. No, but, the but the thing is, I don't think that ruins the movie, no, and no. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if our listeners even. I don't even know if you guys want to seek this movie out. Mm. Um, by the way, listeners, I know I say this every episode, but if you can reach out to us through Facebook or Instagram, I just want to know who you are. I just want to know if you like this podcast or if it's brightening up your day. Or sorry, everyone's looking at me as or if I'm souring your day. Souring your day. <laughs> if, if we ruin your week, I want to know. I'm fully. I'm. I'm totally well to turn heel. Or you know what's kind of cool? You should so. ask people to uh, sh- uh, ask, or sorry, ask people what movie they'd like to see you guys watch. Maybe, maybe that could be fun. Like, That'd be cool. Yeah. Like, oh, like it would be fun if you guys reviewed or. Where do you get stuck watching Titanic that way? Love can touch us one time and last for a lifetime. Something, something. My no, but if they if they choose Titanic, they clearly don't on. listen to Death by Video because. Brandon Cox. <laughs> I set that up, didn't I? Wherever you are, we want to hear from you. I believe that the heart will go on. I never thought we'd be wind up singing the, 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 the musical cues in this documentary were not unlike best. that. Yeah. The next part is the best. I don't know why we stopped it there. Oh, we stopped it on purpose. Because I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. It's moving. moving. Um, We'll stay Stay forever (laughs) this way. And I know that your heart will go on. How much of this is getting cut? Go on. They're always a stare. No, 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 no. No. Titanic, get it? We didn't do that too much. <laughs> so, right. This has been an episode. I do have to say, this has been a good episode. Um, I don't really know how to cap this off. Kit, do you have any more notes to run through? I don't really. I wrote down a lot of. The, I was trying to write down the name of some of the killers, but I I gave up. It's impossible because there's just um, too many of them. That's yeah. That's all I got. Okay, I'm gonna get into some trivia right now. But uh, so Vanessa. Um, what are you, what? Why are you what? putting what? me on the spot? Because you're a documentarian. No, because now you're going to like ask me questions <laughs> to prove my status no, or something. No, no, no. What do you ask your opinion? Oh, oh, what's the question? I feel put on the spot. You are one of my, you this are, is the multiple choice that of, we were warning you about. In every documentary known to me. Everyone here, you are my oldest friend. I would never do that to you oh. live on our on our podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was just wondering. Question one. No, in the pantheon of documentaries, because you are not only a connoisseur, but a participant... Weird. How I do you, would how argue do you think you've this, probably seen more dogs. Than how do you? How do you? But, yeah. but how do you feel? Because uh, I'm gonna, okay. I'll make this very simple. How would I Compared feel? to contemporary documentaries. Oh, I see. How does this film line up? Because this film is powerful, but it's powerful in a different way. Like the even the narrator you commented was like the narrator kind of was good but bad because the narrator was trying to push like this is crazy what you're watching right now. Mm-hmm. This man thought he was an outer space alien and then cops shot him dead right while you're watching. 
Um, it had that salaciousness to it, but it also right. had an undertone of just bleakness and sadness. Right? Yeah. Go. Go. <laughs> Um, and just the truth of the matter just doing its number on you, right? Like, this is what he claims. Go. Take what <laughs> take what you will from it. But this guy thinks he's a, a, an alien from another planet, and uh, he just went on a rampage, period. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't really get into the psychology too, too much of, oh, like, no, anyone. But, but uh, he was just yeah. stating, like, how, how crazy these... But could you oh, even yeah. get into the psychology of this? Because, oh, the, the, like, he was, mm-hmm. like, the, the filmmaker, the filmmakers, sorry, it was written yeah. by a husband and wife team, mm-hmm. and it was directed by another person. It mm-hmm. all kind of felt like it was, uh, it was working towards just trying to, like, figure out how things got, because whenever mm-hmm. you and look why back... why they were doing what they were doing, period. They didn't really go into any depth, but no, they were no, just stating, this happened, and here's what the killers, mm-hmm. here's their reason. We even see right. this see this moment where reason. we even see this moment where there's a, a person being interviewed at a, at a news station who has a, a Mac Ten gun, which mm-hmm. is is nuts to think that a person can walk into into a store and buy a Mac Ten, and they even like have a police officer at a certain point say like, "Oh, well, this person would walk into like a department store mm-hmm. or a sporting goods store, near the buy a rifle, mm-hmm. cut off the butt, cut off the barrel, and then have a basically a." a devastating killing machine in their hands Mm -hmm. and there are also scenes where this person says like we need to like work towards finding like legislation to make sure that that guns don't wind up in the hands of people that we use them incorrectly Mm -hmm. and that was happening 40 years ago still not it's still not sorted out right so not much has changed is is what you're trying to say and they conclude they finish off the the film with you know um it's yeah. Still going. Law, Still happening. Lawmakers and Congress, they need to really fucking give you fucking. I'm swearing, but no. That's they, fine. We don't, we don't, I, don't, the, I, don't, I only censor my own swearing on this podcast. Like the gun laws in America are so lax. Yes. It's just. But I, I don't even think it's gun laws, though. I think it's, I think it's, it's perception. Because like, even the fact that mm. like a, a, a concealed carry order is even. Like, that's insane. NRA lobbyists. And, and the thing to remember is like, I want to point this out again. Like, I grew up in a house with guns in it. And I never, ever equated those with something to be used on a person or an invader or someone I didn't like. Like, it just, I don't the compute. Gun, gun culture in, in the it's United the culture, States yeah. is, something, is something completely different. But, yeah. I, like, even after the Vegas shooting where it was discovered he had a legally obtained uh, semi-automatic rifle, he used bump stocks to make it seem yes. more automatic. And there was talk about banning the bump stocks briefly. That's all disappeared. That's not happening. Oh, not Nobody's happening. doing anything about that. Because why would you want to? Because the NRA is not interested, and they pay they lobbies. pay good money for, for nothing to happen. Yeah. So, sorry, Vanessa, did you have another thought before we move on to trivia? No, there's more trivia. Um, <laughs> the, the trivia is pretty straightforward. It's essentially that this film was never really... But the really... bump stocks were already illegal anyways to begin with, so that's not really what the issue quasi, is. Quasi. Quasi. Quasi illegal. Yeah, I thought they were illegal. Yeah, no, I was. Um, I don't know. No, I feel like this is. Uh, there's just. There's a lot to say about. Yeah. Gun culture. Then you can say because I've got everything. a 16 gigabyte card. In no, here. no, 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 no. But I was going back to. It's funny that um I'm going back to broken glass. But remember, yeah. they were talking about persecution and feeling like that was like a. The the, the, mm-hmm. the main the mm-hmm. husband and he yeah. persecuted by the doctor was saying yeah he, even yeah he even said the Hitler's a persecuted person or that's the way he acts which is 
nonsense. Or he's a perfect example of a persecuted person. A person who believes they're being persecuted. Right, right. I mean, I think we all can relate to that feeling like this, this argument of like, okay. Oh, I know. Yeah, we all feel persecuted on some level. But then, like, uh, I was talking to Phil and he was telling, we were talking about just like, there's one thing to think these thoughts and another thing. Phil, your partner, Phil, Phil podcast, Phil. Yeah, and there's another thing to actually act on the persecution anyways but um i mean i don't know it's just a very complicated issue so like you can say oh well you know gun you know gun legislation like needs to be stricter and like we need to ban you know uh semi-automatic or automatic like basically guns semi-automatic like especially like automatic not only automatic weapons but semi-automatic weapons something where you can like constantly pull your trigger and constantly shoot like everyone's like well i need it for defense i'm like against what right someone else with a semi-automatic weapon that's what yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I don't, it's it's, it's like, crazy. I, I, I don't even think that it's worth talking about. Oh, when about. everyone's packing heat, <laughs> you gotta you pack. Gotta arm yourself against them, right? I, I, no, I'm not saying I get it. I, I know, I know, you're not saying that. I'm just saying but, it's not anything mm. we can imagine. I think no, we we can't unpack it here. Yeah, we cannot unpack it here. We have to we have to recognize that. But but um, yeah, I think Canadians like it's hard for us to even like get on the same level as Americans because it's uh, guns are it's so embedded thing. in like their identity, and well, we yeah. don't have that same association no, no, no. at all. Maybe like rural like said, rural parts of maybe Alberta will feel differently. No, but. no, 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 no. <laughs> sure, I like, relatives uh, in Alberta. They, rural areas where no, there's no, lots of hunters, don't, but they don't though. That's the thing. Like I grew up with well, like, my family members are rural. I grew up in a fairly rural area and that's the thing like I grew up around guns but it d- it didn't ever compute that it was the same thing well, as what they're saying in a different way I but, guess. but it wasn't even it's not, it's not, not even kind of equate but, but yeah. and, and again like not I, for protection but exactly, for, exactly, that's yeah. the thing. Like, it, it was something that like and like they, they were always locked up like out of reach like it was not and that's the thing I want to point out as well is that like it's not a like whenever we whenever people talk about gun control they it seems like they're always targeting the rural areas but they're not because a single shot shotgun that shoots buckshot is not something used for mass killing. No, it's only good for killing your wife as uh, people in rural. Jesus Christ, Kit. Well, that that is exactly when uh, Stephen Harper was all about um, getting rid of the long gun registry. That's what mm-hmm. cops were saying. It's like, well, no, this is good for domestic yeah, yeah, abuse. Yeah, no, no, oh, totally. No, well, there needs to be a registry. Yeah, of course. My well, that, that's the yeah. thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. responsible gun owners shouldn't find that really yeah. weird. Like, this no, is a not. this is a weapon of killing. Yeah, you just need to sign up for it. That's yeah. yeah. I work with a lot of Americans in my job. After filming a commercial, I was driving one back to his hotel. He was scrolling through his his uh, his phone, and he saw like this news article from Los Angeles County where he lived, and he was like, Ugh, uh, "Oh my god, this is obscene!" And I was like, "Oh, what's that?" This person. So what they he kind of scoffed at was like, "Oh, apparently if you own a handgun now, you have to have a lock on it." Oh my god, what are you supposed to do if someone breaks into your house and wants to kill you? Ew, like, oh, I I'm have so. Thrown him out of, I would Were you driving this guy? I was driving this guy. But, I wouldn't but... want to pull over and be like, ew, can you just get out of my car to be outraged about a thing like this? I was like, so what do you do when like someone breaks into your house and wants to kill you? Like, sorry, Mr. Bad Guy, I have to unlock my gun. And I was just like, whoa, 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 what? He's like, yeah, you, you don't own a gun in your apartment? And I was like, no, I don't own a gun. And I even said, like, and so me and him actually had this conversation. We're like, well, how do you view guns? I'm like, well, guns are something that's used for hunting and blah, blah, blah. And it shouldn't really be used for protection. He's like, gun, a gun's purpose is protection. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. It just further goes to show how 
long this has been going on and how like embedded it is in their in in the well, American culture. As the documentary and, points out, what is it like? Um, every family or like every second family has more than the police. Force. There's a hundred million guns. More than the police force. So it's every, ridiculous every amount. Fam- yeah, for and, more and than is, yeah. killings happen more than in countries that are if going through civil war. Japan, Germany, Britain, like a bunch of Eastern European countries. So together. in in a yeah. in a fucked up way, you could almost understand somebody who um who is like well shit everybody's got a gun i gotta have a gun too otherwise i'm gonna get i'm gonna get murked but um i I don't know yeah we just for us it's super duper fucked up we just can never get on that plane i don't think i ever can that's why i have to say oh canada my home and native land true patriot love on everyone's command on everyone's command yeah i'm changing the lyrics (laughs) to make it inclusive kit um so with that all being said we have talked a lot. We have drank a lot. We have argued a lot. Uh, have we argued? Have I don't, we drank? I, I did. Have we lived? <laughs> <laughs> have we shot anybody? No. <laughs> fade up on my heart will go on. Wow. No, no, no. I wanted um, to ruin it with my shenanigans. But do you want to know what's crazy? I think this might be our Christmas episode. So, <laughs> oh, slow cut. really? So remember, if Santa Claus comes down your chimney, just shoot him in the face with no, a forty-four no, 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 caliber. No, 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 my God, no, no. But we might be. I, That's what Dirty Harry would but do. Has, has anyone here ever heard the, the the Simon and Garfunkel song, "The Eleven O'clock News"? Yes, it's very powerful. So I might end it on, if this winds up being our Christmas episode, it might wind up on that. Kit, what are your final thoughts on the killing of America? Uh, it, yeah. It was that was a film that was uh I think that's from a bygone era that type of documentary just um it it did have a very kind of almost skeezy f- feel to it didn't it am I right? It felt Absolutely, raw. it was very skeevy. Yeah, almost, almost exploitative. I agree, Kit. Phil, what are your thoughts? Final thoughts on the killing of America? Uh, yeah, it, it does border on exploitation, but it's also, yeah, like, it's just one of those things, like, I just can't turn away from, it's... When you say exploitative, do, do you mean that, like, they're, um, exploiting, not exploiting, but, like, the, the murder... it? Uh, yeah, uh, mm. no, no, um, honoring, not honoring, that's not the right word, uh, well, just, like, the killers are giving, getting their their time on screen in a way. I don't think it's the killers. I think it's the killing. The killings are getting their time on screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, like, it just lingers on that. Like, that's pretty much, like, all, like, the visual uh, content you you get. It's just... uh, Even, like, for, like, some of the serial killers, like, the body count, he killed this many people. Which actually was on... on, uh, And and then all the images that you see of, like, the the victims and just, Mm -hmm. like, the the dead bodies. Yeah, Yeah, this film doesn't shy away from from any on-screen violence, which I I actually applaud it for because I feel that if it did, it would be more sensationalistic. Mm -hmm. Whereas this film is... it, it, It... Borders on exploitative, but is not sensational. Like nothing appears well, glamorous in this. However, I would say this is the most visceral film that we've watched since yes, Cannibal Ferox. Yep. And Cannibal Ferox at least had jokes. <laughs> yeah, you could say you, that. You could laugh at Cannibal Ferox. You can't laugh at this film. No. Some have tried. So, Lillian, what are your final thoughts on the killing of America? Yeah, I I I grimaced a few times. It was pretty gory. Right, like you see people with holes in their heads, and 
just like zoom in and rewind like a, a execution, uh, execution slow-mo slow slow-mo's yeah. and yeah it was yeah and yeah it just ends with you know this is still happening it's still going on and it doesn't really reach a conclusion but we know that um it's at least being looked at yeah we're at least there, there there's at least an acknowledgement that there is a problem and that we need to somehow fix it yeah and just kind of like starting it from a certain point and kind of bringing together um not really like socioeconomic but like just um it kind of ties everything together from like a cross reference because at one point they say that the mass killers are all white well-educated men and then it dives into the the inner city ghettos and deals with like the the minority crime and violence yeah yeah it was something okay that's all i got thanks Lil. thanks Graham. so vanessa what are your final thoughts um yeah no i like what you said like i feel like the film deals with a lot there's so much to unpack and i think it's a good in such a um, short time i do i I think the one thing sorry to interrupt you but i think the one problem with this film is that it could have been better at two hours as opposed Mm -hmm. to 90 minutes but keep going sorry Oh yeah, no, it's just kind of like broad strokes. I mean, I think I think it's um it's a, it's a, it's a good film to see and then to maybe uh kind of uh just study or explore um like look into like these in f events uh just read up on them read books on them or just study them deeper because it's kind of like a general overview of of our history from what 1960 history of violence yeah could have been called that history of violence (laughs) yeah very well yeah yeah so to kind of i don't know there's a few there's a few events in there that i had never really uh heard of so I'd like to um, well the one thing that, that we kept yeah. saying is that like mm-hmm. oh I've never heard of this well there's just so many that we can't keep there's track there's so many yeah um, even in yeah but, they even said in the film yeah. there's been so many killings there was a shortage in space in mm-hmm. the jails and the prisons they didn't know how to deal with all these murderers mm-hmm. and they even had to um, release some of them, or well, they said that the possibility mm. of release was. Uh, you have to also remember that, like in the sixties and seventies, the the death penalty had long had been. Uh, been there was a steady pu- push to move that aside, and then in the eighties and nineties, there was a push to bring it back. Unfortunately, sorry, my point that I wanted to make wasn't that they had to like do that, but that they had that some of these like some really bad really heinous crimes went unreported just because there was such an abundance of heinous crimes already that's pretty whack oh vanessa not done yet yes. yeah i'm pretty pretty done i'm um, pretty done vanessa Sorry. i think so yeah um you were saying that it's a big thing to unpack and that it's it's, yeah. it's a good jumping off point i think so but yeah i think uh, it would be interesting to see uh, a follow-up to this like a sequel but m- focused more on uh, the return mass of the killing of murders, yeah. massacres. Because there, there is one every day um, in America right yeah, now. There's yeah. a mass shooting of like more than 10 people every day. Yeah. Just that it's only when like a lot of people die do we hear about it, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Because like, that seems to be we, the, we, the trend Everyone talks about the, the Vegas mm-hmm. shooter, but then there was a shooter in the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And that guy, like the, the problem as well is that everyone's trying to politicize these murders. And that was like, the, uh, I think that was the fifth largest mass murder and uh, something like that. And mm-hmm. four of the five have happened in, within the last five years. Yeah. 
So it's actually getting worse, not better. And then there was the Pulse nightclub shootings last year. Oh, I think that's yeah. the second yep. biggest massacre. Sandy Hook. But um, and, it, and it just drives me insane that people are like, oh, this is a false flag. It was done to increase gun. Like, no. It's not in any way, shape, or form done to, like, bring about some kind of nanny state gun control legislation. Like, it's fucking lunatics. Yeah, it's, it's stupid morons. I've also been post-9-11 world, so there's also yeah. that uh, false flag, double man. standard. False flag. Element, yeah. If it's, a, if it's a white mass murderer, this person's mentally ill. Yeah, whereas if it's a person who's kind of like... They're an extremist. Mm-hmm. Right, there's that, yeah. <sighs> so... On that note. On that note, we will say goodbye. <laughs> so, with that being really, said, no. <laughs> I've been Graham... I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I've been Lil. And? Dr. Zeus is in the house. Come on. Woot woot. I've been here. (laughs) (laughs) She has been Vanessa. She's been here drinking beer. 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 She's the one, the only Vanessa. Say your name. Say your name. You've been what? Who are you? Vanessa. Yes. And I've been Graham saying... Thank you for listening. Take care of each other. Be sure to rewind, and we will see you next time. Good night.